is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith They bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Ha ha! Welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in a Miracle Mile. Recording live on a Tuesday. Excited about today's show. We're getting to a lot of different things. We got a sleeper from outside the country. The first time ever. Sleeper of the week outside the country. We're giving a little shout out and some prayers to Mr. the late Mr. Cedric Benson. And we're going to talk recruiting with my man E.J. Holland from Rivals.com and his new move. We'll be discussing the greatest high school football player ever. Is he from California? Is he from Texas? Is he from Georgia? Is he from Florida? Who's the most decorated high school football player ever? We're going to talk about it. Not only are we going to talk about it, we're taking live callers, call-ins, open discussion. We're going to talk about the greatest to ever do it at the high school level. That'll be a lot of fun. But before we get to any of that, it's time for recruiting. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. All right, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring in one of the world's best. I love to say world. World's best analyst in the game right now, Mr. EJ Holland. EJ, You've been on the move, and you just made a big move. Welcome to the show again. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man. Last time we talked, I was, uh, you know, covering Notre Dame, and now I have made the move over to covering Michigan, uh, which still let me travel and see most of the guys I need to see across the country. But, yeah, it's, I, I feel like it's a bigger beat, So, uh, and I think it's fits me a lot better so i'm excited so you can catch me over at the wolverine.com over at rivals no doubt the wolverine.com over at rivals um so you've been on the move you took a, a big trip to texas and saw a ton of top-notch recruits out of the lone star state but before we get to that ej let's talk a little bit about what's been happening um on the commit watch as of late, we got some big time guys committing to big time schools over the last week. Um, so let's let's go ahead and jump right into it. What you got for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go ahead and start off with Georgia. Man, they landed another big time offensive lineman, another national top one hundred and fifty guy. I believe that gives them five offensive linemen that are. Uh, you know, in in the uh, Rivals 250. So, uh, you know, this uh, last land was Cedric Van Pran out of uh, Warren Easton, you know, powerhouse school in New Orleans. And he kind of shores up the interior of that offensive line. He's listed as a center. Uh, you know, they already have tackles like Chad Lindbergh, who recently committed out of the Lone Star State, Tate Ratledge. Uh, who was impressive at the opening this summer, and Broderick Jones, who might be the best of them all. So I think Van Prant gives them kind of that uh, interior spot that they needed to go along with the big-time tackles that they have. Uh, yeah, another land that I want to make note of, Jacoby Covington out of Saguaro in Arizona. This is a kid that I flew out to see, actually, uh, in May. And, you know, he's teammates with Keely Ringo, who's a consensus top 10 national player and perhaps the top corner in the country. But a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, miss on Covington. He's a really versatile player, uh, really intrigued by him. I think he can play multiple spots in the secondary with him committing to Washington. I think that's a really, really good fit. Um, Scheme-wise, I think he's going to be an early impact player for them so uh i think that was a really sneaky but impressive land for washington uh tennessee had a big land in bj ojulari uh from marietta and georgia uh four-star weak side defensive end a guy that can you know come off the edge you know rush the passer i I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be an elite level um, pass rusher for them and that's the type of guy that Tennessee needs in the SEC to compete at a high level and uh, I think BJ's going to do uh, great things in Knoxville 
No Texas. doubt about it. Let me jump in really quickly, EJ. I want to go back to Cedric Van Pran, the premier offensive center in the country. What type of impact will he have at Georgia early in his career? Do you see him as a guy that can come in and can play right away for the Bulldogs? Yeah, I think it's hard for offensive linemen to play right away, but if there's one position you can do it at, it's at center. Uh, finding high-quality centers uh, can prove to be difficult for a lot of teams, and a lot of times the position is overlooked. You're so focused on finding that cornerstone left tackle that you forget about the interior guy, specifically the center position. I mean, that's your basically your commander of the offensive line. You need a guy that's smart, that's quick, uh, so I do think he can get on the field early uh, by virtue of position and talent. I mean, like you said, he's the consensus uh, top center in the country. So a really big land for Georgia, like I said, you know, gives him five in a nationally ranked offensive lineman. And uh, he's going to be the guy in the middle of holding it down. You talked a little bit about Jacoby Covington, the new Washington commit. How do you feel he's a great fit? You talked about being a great fit for Washington and defensive backs coach Jimmy Lay, who has proven to do an outstanding job of developing talent. How does Covington fit in that Washington secondary just in terms of his versatility and his high-level athleticism? I mean, you hit the nail on that. They do a really great job of developing DBs. I think Washington puts guys in this league, you know, from a secondary perspective every year. And so what Covington brings is he's a, he's a bigger corner, so it wouldn't be surprising to see him transition to safety, but he can also play a hybrid role. He can play the nickel in certain packages. He can just, He's just a guy that you can move all over the field, and he's still raw. From, he's not super raw, but he's still raw in, in the uh, sense that he has uh, some things he can develop physically. Uh, like I said, he's a bigger corner, so it'll be interesting to see how his body shapes up at the next level. A lot of times, you know, kids go into the strength and conditioning program, they come out looking a lot different after year one. Sure. Um, so I think he's a guy that it's just going to depend on how his frame plays out, but his ball skills, his talent, his length, I think, are a lot of things that everybody, including Washington, obviously valued, and they'll move him around in the secondary based on how he grows. And B.J. Ojulari, the new Tennessee commit, we know him as an elite edge rusher. But in the SEC, which we like to call out here on the West Coast, big boy ball, do you have any concerns about him holding up on that edge and being a three-down player, or will he have to transition to being more of a stand-up outside backer in the SEC? You know, it depends. On, like I said, I think it depends a lot on growth. You know, with him, it, it's kind of similar. You know, to Covington, he's a guy that has a really intriguing frame. He's about six three, two twenty five. So a lot of times, you know, guys will go into that strength and conditioning program and add about twenty twenty five pounds. So we'll see how much his body can carry. I think he has a really good frame to do that. Right now, I see him as more of a pass rusher, as more of a guy that's going to stand up and come off the edge. Um, and, and I think that's what Tennessee wants. They want they want him to really get after the quarterback. So, as far as you know, scheme wise, I don't know how often he's going to have have his hand on the dirt. But I'm not too concerned about how he's going to hold up in the SEC. I mean, he plays his high school ball at a really good you know program in Marietta, and I think he's a guy that can easily add 20 to 25 pounds to his frame in the next year or two. Sounds good. All right, let's move along. What else you got on the tap? Uh, man, <laughs> one guy we haven't talked about sticking with the SEC, LSU, uh, landing Coy Moore. Man, I love this kid. I think he's one of the more undervalued recruits in the country. I know he's hovering around, you know, the national top 250, but he's one that impressed me, you know, so much this offseason. I felt like he was one of the best players I saw in the entire spring watching him at camp and in seven on seven he's just a, a guy that you do when you see him you're like okay i mean he's not physically impressive but when he gets on the field you're like oh my god this guy can just go he's kind of similar to g scott you kind of see g scott who's committed to ohio state and you're like all right we'll see what this kid has and then he gets on the field and you're like wow man and that's how coin moore is when you see him on the field he just wows you he's so smooth he loves to be physical. 
Uh, he's right at about 6'1", 170, so he just glides down the field. I mean, he, he can do it all. He can run every route on the tree. Um, I think he's going to be the next terrific LSU wide receiver. And if uh, TJ Finley can develop into a really good quarterback, I think they'll have a, a great connection. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Coy Moore's a kid that was committed to USC, took some time away, and obviously decided to stay home. So huge land for LSU. I can't say enough great things about Coy Moore. I mean, the dude is uh, an absolute elite wide receiver in my mind. Um, and then, you know, lastly, I do want to touch on uh, Texas. They did have a couple of big commitments. One was four-star safety Zagan Alford from Shadow Creek. You know, this one's a funny one because when I first saw Alford, he was just a young guy. He was a freshman. He actually visited Texas when he was like 15 years old. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody cared who he was. And then he went out and uh, had a good sophomore year and then a big junior season led Shadow Creek to a state title appearance and I think a lot of people just really caught wind of him at that point. He's really physical, another versatile player in the secondary. I don't know if he can play corner. I think he's more of a safety, but I do think he can be a really, really good nickel uh, and and do some interesting things in in a dime package as well. Um, So I, I like what Alfred brings and, you know, in the Big 12, Texas often has six DBs on the field, you know, it's, right. it's a pass-happy league. So when you have a versatile guy like Alford that can play the nickel, that can do some things in the dime, that can be a straight-up safety, I mean, that's what Texas wants. So it was a really good fit for Alford. And, at, you know, at a point it seemed like he was trending away from Texas, like he was trending more towards Texas A&M. He ultimately chose Texas, and I think that's a better scheme fit for him. Um, and the Longhorns also landed a big one on the offensive side of the ball and four-star wide receiver Quentin Johnston. Uh, he's a guy that's just a really raw athlete. He's ranked super high. I'm not completely sold on him yet. I, I would like to see more production this season. Uh, but physically, I mean, you can't find a more impressive guy. His you know track times are really good. His athletic ability is really freaky. Um, I mean, this is a guy that can dunk a basketball with his head above the rim his entire head above the rim I mean he has his vertical is insane so I think he has a lot of potential and can add another dimension to the Texas offense as long as he he really develops his route tree uh, and the technical aspects of his game as a route runner I want to circle back really quickly to uh, Louisiana's Coy Moore I know you talked about him being a little underrated undervalued nationally um, not for me, though. He is a Hall of Fame World Bowl commit, so that, that tells you kind of what we and I think of him. But what do you think about this comparison to Jarvis Landry that I have for Coy Moore? I see a lot of similarities in their game, a lot of similar abilities, a, that similar chip on their shoulder, um, similar type of work ethic, that relentlessness to always be on the field, just a gym rat when it comes to getting better. What do you think about that comp for Coy Moore and Jarvis Landry? I like that, actually. I, I think some intangibles that you mentioned that Coy Moore brings that, that Jarvis also brought to the table and still does in the NFL is just that tenacity, that work ethic, that want to be the best, that guy that has the chip on their shoulder that might not be the most impressive athlete on the field, but is just a really damn good football player. And you see that with Coy Moore. You see him get on the field, and he wants to show you that he's the best player out on the field. And and I think, you know, he raises his game uh, when people doubt him in a similar fashion as Jarvis. And I think Jarvis is kind of the same. He is in, you know, it wasn't the most athletically impressive kid but he went out and outworked everybody and just perfected his craft and I think Coy Moore is in the process of perfecting his craft I mean this offseason like I said he was super impressive on the seven on seven circuit played with the Louisiana bootleggers which is actually coached by um, Ryan Clark you know one of the best DBs to do it so uh, in the NFL so I think Ryan kind of you know helped Coy Moore develop a lot just for learning from an NFL DB, a guy who went up against, you know, big time wide receivers uh, on a weekly basis. I think Coy Moore gets a lot from working with Ryan Clark, and uh, I think that has helped him uh, elevate his game as well. No question about it. So, EJ, you took a trip uh, working at the Notre Dame B National Recruiting 
Um, Notre Dame, as we all know, they got a national recruiting base. You took a trip to Texas. Talk to us a little bit about your trip and some of the high-end prospects that you saw while down in Lone Star State. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I made kind of the rounds. I hit about five or six high schools. Um, I saw arguably the best running back in the country in the 2021 class, and that's Kamar Wheaton out of Lakeview Centennial. Uh, Texas was under some heat advisories, so practices were limited, but you can see why people are rating Wheaton as high as they are. I mean, he's a a physically impressive back uh, that isn't afraid to run between the tackles. He has elite-level speed. I mean, this is a guy that's about 6'190 and can absolutely run out of the building. I mean, he's a, a freak when it comes to that. He only had you know, about 1,200 yards last year in kind of a weak district. So I want to see Wheaton go out there and dominate before I call him, you know, the next great back to come out of Texas, like an Adrian Peterson was, you know. So I I need to see him put up 2,000 yards. I mean, he should do that against the competition he plays. So I'm excited to see him this season. I believe I'm catching him week three. Um, So be, you know, catching games in the Dallas area again. But I, I really do love what Wheaton brings to the table. For me, it's, all right, it's time to put it on the field. Um, and, you know, from a recruiting perspective, he's a guy that just hates recruiting. <laughs> he doesn't like to talk about it. He doesn't engage on social media. Yeah. He's all about playing for his team. But, you know, I think some local schools are, are very much in the mix. Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, he did make a Midwest swing. He saw Kansas, Ohio State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Um, so he's interested in, in some schools away from home. Alabama is another big player in his recruitment. I think right now he's just kind of taking it all in. Like I said, he plays things extremely close to the best. Um, I also saw another five-star down here in Texas in 2021 offensive lineman Tommy Brockermeyer. Unfortunately, he did not practice. He's out for the year with a labrum injury. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's always concerning, and, that, you know, it really sucks, you know, for, for Tommy. He's a great kid. Um, but he does have another year. He had the surgery early, so I think he's going to be fine. When he's healthy, I mean, he's the best tackle prospect in the country. I mean, this is a guy that all offseason long completely dominated. On film, you can see that he has the potential to be a premier left tackle. I think he's the uh, best, you know, offensive lineman that I have evaluated closely in person since Walker Little, who's at Stanford and will probably be a first-round draft pick this upcoming year. Um, so, I, I mean, I really like Tommy Brockermeyer. Uh, his brother, James, is one of the best centers in the country. We talked about valuing centers. Um, and I, I think that James is a guy that is kind of undervalued because he is a center and he is kind of in the shadow of his brother, Tommy. But James uh, is a really good prospect in his own right. They're both very high on Texas, both being Texas legacies, but they did make the rounds as well. Um, they saw Alabama, they saw Michigan, they saw Notre Dame, so they, they are looking at some other schools uh, too and, and are considering them seriously. Um, I also got to uh, see one of the best in 2022. I know it sounds really early, but 2022 recruiting is right around the corner. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Fort Worth, uh, Nolan Catholic running back, Emeka Megwa. Um, he's a he's a freak, man. I mean, he's about six foot, two hundred pounds already. The concern I have with Emeka is he's so huge. I'm like, is this guy going to turn into a linebacker? Or you know, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But he already has a ton of offers: Texas, Michigan, you know, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. You name it, he's got it for the most part. So. Uh, I think Emeka is one of the most impressive physical specimens that I've seen at such a young age. And then lastly, I saw uh, Oklahoma commit Ryan Watts in the 2020 class. Um, Ryan is a kid that I absolutely love, um, both as a player and as a person. Uh, Ryan is uh, a guy that I saw a couple of years ago playing seven on seven for true buzz a local program in dallas and nobody really knew who he was he was just this big kid from little elm which doesn't produce a lot of talent i mean they they haven't really had 
any guy since Cole Beasley. So, wow. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Ryan was just kind of completely under the radar. And then, you know, the spring evaluation came, period came, and he just kind of blew up. Sure. Um, and, and I think a lot of people fell in love with his potential and his talent. And he made a, an early commitment to Oklahoma. He's still pretty solid with the Sooners. But there are some other schools catching his attention. You know, I know Penn State is working very, very hard on him. So I think that'll be a school to watch. And there are a couple others that he's trying to keep under wraps. But, um, you know, right now Oklahoma is making it a priority to keep Ryan Watts. They lost Dante Manning earlier in the cycle. They absolutely need big DBs to compete or not to compete. I mean, Oklahoma is always going to compete, but to, I guess, compete for a national championship. They need to improve their secondary. I mean, it was very bad last year and they need bigger guys and Ryan can bring that to the table. So I know keeping him is a top priority for OU. Ryan Watts, the Hall of Fame, World Bowl, All-American cornerback out of Little Elm. EJ, that was a lot, man. You brought some <laughs> juice to the show. I appreciate that. You got anything else that you want to share? Uh, this Friday, I am hitting the road. Game one, man. Football season's here. It's yes. crazy. Yes. Um, so, I am going out to my first game of the year. Very, very excited. Actually flying out to Kentucky. Nice. Um, so, we'll be in Louisville uh, and then making the drive over to Lexington to see a four-star 2021 wide receiver to Kel Crowdis. Really interested to see him. He's a kid that got an invite to the opening as an underclassman, which only a handful of uh, guys get. And so he's a, he's an interesting prospect. Uh, I got to see him a little bit at the opening. Excited to see him in full pads. Yeah, he has offers from Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, West Virginia, and some others. I think he'll continue to rack up offers. And, you know, I'll talk about it next time I'm on the show. And then, you know, the following week, I don't know exactly when I'm back on the show. Keith kind of tells me and I hop on. <laughs> but, um, no, then I'm going to... Uh, Miami the following week uh, we'll see St. Thomas Aquinas against Bergen Catholic so a little Florida New Jersey battle and Mm -hmm. that's going to feature like 30 recruits so we'll talk on and on about that uh, next time I'm on the show as well no, that's all good. When you get down to Kentucky, man, make sure you have on your seatbelt because Dekel Crowdis can fly, absolutely fly, super explosive, dynamic and electric when he has the football where he will take the top off like Jay-Z in a rap song. You better look out, D.K.L. Crowdis, one of the nation's <laughs> top 2021 receivers. Well, you better ball out because you're giving him a ringing endorsement. Don't worry, man. If Coach Key says it, put a stamp on it. It's, it's pretty much fact. So, uh, <laughs> EJ, I appreciate you for jumping on the show, man. We'll see you back in a couple weeks. And uh, enjoy your trip. Enjoy uh, work. And uh, please stay safe. Uh, and uh, we'll see you when you get back here on The Transparent Truth. All right, appreciate it. No doubt about it. Ladies and gentlemen, EJ Holland of Rivals.com. All right, thank you so much to Mr. EJ Holland of Rivals.com. Congratulations on his new move to the beat, the Michigan beat. Uh, It's time, ladies and gentlemen, my favorite part of the show. You know what it is. It's time for the Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our Sleeper of the Week this week hails from outside the United States. This is the first time ever on The Transparent Truth that we have a Sleeper of the Week from outside of the country. I want to give a big shout-out, and I want to introduce to everyone, all of our listeners, Mr. Alfredo Lira of Mexico. Alfredo Lira of Mexico is a 5'8", 190-pound running back with 4'3'9 speed, 
with 410-510-5 shuttle, a 38-inch vertical, and this kid can absolutely go. I first met Alfredo at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy camp a year and a, a year ago, excuse me, last summer um, in Canton, Ohio. That's the first time I laid eyes on him. I've been scouting him ever since. He sends me his film weekly, and this kid is an absolute beast on the football field. You can mark it down right now. Whether he's outrunning people, running people over, jump hurling people and jumping over them, spinning off tackles, whether it's out the backfield catching a ball, if it's running a route down the field making a play, kick return, punt return, this kid's a running back. Again, he's 5'8", he's 190 pounds, he's very explosive, he's very strong, he's got great balance and vision, but I love, I love his suddenness to get diagonal and lateral with his feet. He does a great job making people miss, and he's absolutely electric with his cuts. So, Alfredo Lira, about a Mexico. We got a sleeper of the week outside the country. Ladies and gentlemen of the truth, stand up. The transparent truth has now gone global. Alfredo Lira, congratulations, my man. You're this week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. All right, now I want to get to, you know, uh, a heartfelt time of the show. Um, you know, very difficult when someone passes away, your own friends, your own family. But I still feel the same when, when guys pass away who I may not have known personally, but watch them, admire them, and... I want to take a minute to honor Mr. Cedric Benson um, of Texas. Great running back and storied career. Let's talk a little bit about it. Played at Midland Lee High School in West Texas. Led them to three state state championships in the state of Texas. Five-star recruit, just a West Texas legend. Imagine three state titles five-star running back in the 5A division. Um, Just a a, a tremendous high school football player, one of the best to ever come out of Texas. An absolute dog. Starts, excuse me, signs with the University of Texas Longhorns. Starts as a true freshman. Runs for 1,000 yards in his true freshman season. He's one of only four backs in NCAA history that's run for 1,000 yards in four straight seasons. 5,500-plus yards rushing while at Texas, only second to the legendary Ricky Williams. He was the fourth overall pick of the Chicago Bears. He played seven years in the NFL. He went to a Super Bowl with the Bears, then he retired in 2012. He lost his life in a motorcycle accident this past week. My condolences to the family, to the football community, we lost a great one way too soon. But I'm here to keep your legacy, to raise it, and allow it to live on. Mr. Cedric Benson, a West Texas legend on the football field with three state titles, a first-round draft pick, a Super Bowl participant, and by all accounts, a terrific human being. Former head coach Mac Brown has some beautiful words to say about Cedric. Uh, former teammates chimed in, had nothing but great things to say. And man, we just lost a, a great guy, it seems, way too early to a motorcycle accident. And uh, I just wanted to take this moment to highlight him, spotlight him, shine a light on Cedric Benson. One of the greatest to ever do it out of the state of Texas. We'll miss you. Rest in peace, said B. All right, now we want to talk about the high school football GOAT. You know, the whole Cedric Benson thing just had me thinking how great of a football player he was, not only you know playing in the Super Bowl and not only being a four-time 1,000-yard rusher at the University of Texas, but back in high school when he led his team to three state titles, was a five-star running back in the 5A division, um, it just got me to thinking, man, who who's the greatest football players in high school that I've seen or that I've heard of? And I, I jotted down some names here. and We'll get to some callers really quickly and let them voice their opinion. But uh, let's start back, you know, way back when, uh, you know, Kenneth Hall, the Sugarland Express. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of this guy. 
Back in the 1950s in Texas, the Sugarland Express, over 11,000 yards rushing in three seasons. You're talking about a guy who averaged 47.3 yards per carry. Think about that. 11,000 yards, averaging 47 yards per carry in the state of Texas. It's Sugarland High School. Kenneth Hall, an absolute destroyer of other people's children. Signed with Texas A&M, played for legendary head coach Bear Bryant, but apparently were at odds, and Bear Bryant was a guy focused on defense and tried to use Hall more on defense you know, situation became disgruntled. Hall did play professionally in the Canadian League. He played a little bit for the Oilers. Um, he had a 107-yard kickoff return in the NFL one time. But Ken Hall never really got a chance to reach his full potential on the highest level. But, I, you know, he set the national rushing record at 11,000-plus yards that year in, I believe, 1957. Again, 47 yards per carry. Um, the the uh, yards per carry is still a national record. The yards that he gained in a career has been broken, but he set the mark back in the 50s. So the Sugarland Express, Kenneth Hall, Sugarland High School, unbelievable statistics. But just wanted to go down and list the names that I've seen that I thought were just unbelievable high school football players and, and could be talked about or mentioned with the greatest of all time. Um, let's go to Stephen Davis, former running back at University of Auburn. When he was in high school, he was a six foot, two hundred thirty pound back that ran ten four zero and hundred meters. Had over hundred touchdowns rushing in high school. Uh, he was an All SEC performer in college at Auburn and went on to get drafted into the NFL. But he was just a, a super college football player. What about Ricky Williams out of Morse High School in San Diego? I believe he went to Morse. Um, Ricky Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner at the University of Texas, then on to a uh, productive career in the NFL. Early exit, but nevertheless, Ricky was a dominant, dominant high school football player in the San Diego area. How about Vince Young? Vince Young out of Texas. Um, you know, what can you say about Vince Young in high school? Ran the option, virtually unstoppable at six foot five. 225 pounds running a 4440 and uh, went on to win a national title at Texas. Maybe, maybe not. Should have won the Heisman Trophy. Was the uh, number one overall pick of the Tennessee Titans. Was the rookie of the year in the NFL. Career kind of took um, a different angle. Didn't finish the way he wanted, but in terms of a high schooler, you know, Vince Young was about as good as you could get at the quarterback position with his dual threat ability. Uh, let's take it back again. How about Deshaun Jackson on Long Beach Poly? Elite, elite, two-way player, receiver, who is still taking the top off of defense until this day. Um, at Poly, punt returner, receiver, also played some cornerback. Poly usually doesn't let guys go both ways, but Deshaun Jackson so good, so athletic, and such a playmaker. He's a guy who went both ways and really, really shined. Um... Let's take it back. How about DJ Williams? DJ Williams out of De La Salle. I mean, you know, maybe the best two-way player to ever play high school football. This guy led De La Salle to, you know, three undefeated seasons, the number one national ranking, three straight years in a row, three mythical national titles, went on went on to University of Miami and then drafted first round in the NFL. So G- DJ Williams always, I think, in the GOAT conversation. How about Jadavion Clowney out of South Carolina? Jadavion. The first time I saw him on TV, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It looked like a a bigger, faster Lawrence Taylor coming off the edge. Also played some running back. You know, was a consensus top five, you know, not top five, but five-star recruit. Number one consensus in America. Went on to South Carolina. Was the number one overall pick. Was an All-American in South Carolina. Number one overall pick for the Houston, Texas. And a guy looking for a big contract this upcoming year. So Jadavion Clowney, I think, definitely has to be in a GOAT conversation. What about a guy uh, locally here? What about Matt Grudegood out of modern day? Matt Grudegood, um, again, like DJ Williams, a two-way specimen. Running back, linebacker. Legendary stories of Grudegood breaking his helmet, busting his face mask on hits. Uh, was a three-year starter for 
University of Southern California. I think he got a cup of coffee in a league, but grew to good. Was an unbelievable high school player who displayed tremendous heart and passion for the game and a willingness to not let his team lose. Uh, how about Maurice Jones-Drew? He took the poly five behind the woodshed on national TV and absolutely gave them a beat down, ran through, around, and over that poly defense again Number one ranking for De La Salle, Maurice Drew led them three years in a row um, from his sophomore year all the way to his senior year and uh, definitely could be mentioned in the GOAT conversation. How about Tavon Austin out of Baltimore Dunbar? Uh, his highlight tape takes a backseat to no one. Tavon Austin is a guy who I don't know if he even got tackled on his highlight tape. I mean, the highlight tape is about 20 minutes long. Uh, just super dynamic and unbelievably skilled with the ball in his hand, his ability to stop and start, to hesitate and spurt, uh, to catch it, to run it, to return it. Tavon Austin could do it all. Went on to an All-American career at West Virginia and then on to the NFL as that number eight overall pick of the St. Louis Rams. What about Adrian Peterson from Texas? You know, uh, future Hall of Famer, five-star recruit, uh, you know, ran for a zillion yards. Tech, excuse me, Oklahoma's top, you know, recruit out of high school. Went on to rush for almost 2,000 yards as a freshman. Um, you know, you, you, you show me a better college running back other than maybe O.J. Simpson. I mean, Adrian Peterson was unbelievable. Then you look at him in the NFL, you know, probably, what would you say, top five? Top five running backs to ever do it in the league? Top five, top six? Adrian Peterson is, is a legend. He's a living legend in in Texas, um, at Oklahoma, in the NFL, in just the game of football, period. What about a guy like Deshaun Watson? Broke the Georgia state record for total yards in a career. Uh, I believe three state championships. Went on to be a five-star recruit at Clemson. Won a national title, avenging a loss the previous year to Alabama. First round pick of the Houston Texans, and as uh, a guy who's getting ready to cash in on over a hundred million dollar contract next offseason. So Deshaun Watson, definitely a part of it. How about Tate Martell, undefeated as a varsity quarterback, an unbelievable sensation playing for Las Vegas Bishop Gorman. Definitely had a loaded team, but Tate Martell was a guy who showed up big in big moments. Uh, he never, never backed out of the spotlight. Everything he did was uh, critiqued and criticized, but he did nothing but deliver on point every time during game situations. Tate Martell is a guy who, never, again, never lost a high school game and led Bishop Gorman to, I think, two uh, national championships, mythical national title. So Tate Martell, definitely a part of it. How about Derrick Henry, the running back who broke, um, actually, Emmett Smith. So Emmett Smith broke Kenneth Hall, the Sugarland Express record for yards in a career. Emmett Smith did, the Hall of Famer. And then Derrick Henry broke Emmett Smith's record. Derrick Henry, um, out in Florida, broke the all-time rushing record, um, went on to be a five-star recruit, University of Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner, first-round pick, I believe. Ooh, he might have been a second-round pick. Second-round pick of the Tennessee Titans um, and enjoying a very nice pro career right now. Um, I got more here. I got Adoree Jackson. I mean, a, a human joystick on the football field at, at locally here at Sarah High School. Could do it all. Receiver, punt return, kick return, cornerback. A lot out of the Deshaun Jackson mode. Or Dory Jackson made some huge plays in some uh, some adverse moments for the Sarah Cavaliers. And he definitely needs to be in the conversation, at least locally, in terms of uh, you know goats here in Southern California for sure. Vontae's perfect. I don't remember a better linebacker. I know people talk about Justin Flo right now. Vontae's perfect was the Justin Flo of his day. He absolutely he dominated on the highest level. Played De La Salle in the state title game, and he dominated them. Went on to be a five-star recruit, signed with Arizona State, was an all-pack 12 football player, has now enjoyed a very illustrious career in the NFL. Contro- controversial for sure, but Vontae's perfect definitely de- 
deserves to be mentioned, at least locally, as a GOAT here in Southern California. How about this? Rashawn Salam, the late Rashawn Salam, you know, played in San Diego, played seven-man or, 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 excuse me, eight-man football, played eight-man football. But, I mean, you know, his stats and his film is just absolutely breathtaking. And uh, went on, it proved to be what it was, breathtaking. He went on and took people's breath away at the University of Colorado, was a Heisman Trophy winner, was a first-round pick of the Chicago Bears, didn't have the pro career that I'm sure people wanted for him um, and and passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately. But uh, Rashawn Salam definitely deserves to be in the mention. And I think last but not least... Um, two guys who I think are very similar. I'll start off with Kyler Murray. I think 43-0 as a quarterback, three-time state champ, five-star recruit, signs with AM, transfers to Oklahoma, wins the Heisman Trophy, number one overall pick in the draft, and now is getting ready to have a great career in the NFL. So um, Kyler Murray definitely nationally deserves to be in the conversation. And I think my next and last, you know, high school football player will be in the conversation before it's all said and done. None other than modern day's own Mr. Bryce Young. What else can you say? CIF champion, state champion, all by his junior year, heading into his senior year, five-star recruit, my number one player in the nation is going to attend USC. I'm saying right now he's going to be the f- second player in NCAA history to win two Heisman trophies. The first was Archie Griffin from Ohio State. The next will be Bryce Young. Two Heisman trophies in one career. He'll be the number one overall pick in the NFL and go on to have a great NFL career. Kyler, Bryce, similar players. But I think Bryce has him in a couple categories. I think Kyler maybe have him in one category. So um, we'll see how it all plays out for me. Going into your senior year, I think nobody's done more than Bryce. And it's better than Bryce. And I think he'll, he'll cap it off with a great senior year and with a great career just in general. So um, that's our GOAT conversation. Let's get to some callers. Welcome to the Transparent Truth. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Coach Keith, this is Terry Anderson, Mission Viejo High School, but we're in the the island of Kona, Hawaii, getting ready for our first game. What's going on, Coach? T.A., it's great to hear from you from Mission Viejo High School out in Hawaii, getting prepared for a big game on the islands. We're talking the high school football GOAT, Terry, and would love to know who your high school football GOAT in and, and some support for him. I'm going to say, if we're talking, are we talking national? Are we talking what we know right. here locally? Well, we're talking national of what you know. Nationally of what you know. I think that's All the right. best way to go about it. So, either guys you've seen, you've read about, uh, but but most likely have seen, and that you feel like, hey, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen at the high school level. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now we're in the middle of goatness right now um, with those two boys going at, at modern day and those two boys going I mean that boy going at modern day and that boy going at uh, at Bosco um, but right now I gotta give that edge to my guy Bryce Young he did something two years ago that, that let me know that he was special in a 7 on 7 tournament never mind he went and won that uh, that trophy but in that 7 on 7 tournament he had a no-look pass against one of our uh, cornerbacks that let me know that something special was on the way. So um, I got to say, I'm from North Carolina, coach. So, so I, I you know, uh, I go back to names that 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 they're not going to recognize here on your current listening audience. But for the ones that are are listening right now, I'm going to go with Bryce right now. Bryce is doing special things. We hope to shut some of that goatness down. If we get to see him um, before it's all said and done. But I, I like what Mr. Young is doing right now. No question about it. But let's talk a little bit about kind of your North Carolina roots. And I know mm. that uh, Bucky Brooks, a good friend of mine and high school okay. football coach now at Granada Hills and national football analyst, he's from the North Carolina area. We know they play great football up there. 
Talk to me about who is the greatest North Carolinian um, to come up out of uh, your time or just, you know, North Carolina at high school football. Uh, let me let me uh, let me undust some of my stuff here, man. I, I got to go. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased and a lot of my guys need to look up a guy named Adrian Barnhill. They call him Buddy Barnhill. Played at East Carolina University back in 1990. Mm-hmm. I'm an old school. I'm an old school cat. It's all he, good. Buddy was a, a a high school running back, but also a high school linebacker. He got his bones in college at linebacker. Live, he's the the best player I've ever seen. Adrian Buddy Barnhill. He uh, he's the best player I've ever seen live because he had that Ray Lewis like ability to at the point of contact. You know to deliver uh, a different special sound on those pads. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You play linebacker. Absolutely. So so, so I got to give it to Buddy Barnhill, and that's obviously biased and up for debate. But if you're asking me the best that I've ever seen live and I've ever played with, Adrian Buddy Barnhill, add him. He'll get that one vote in the, in the vote a million. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at high school football players across the country, the landscape is so big. There's so many great players, and the high school football has been played for such a long time. Just going yeah, over man. a list of guys, there. I mean, there are some unbelievable names with uh, really unmatched careers in terms of stats, in terms of uh, longevity, in terms of you know Hall of Fame status in the NFL. So. Um, I like to keep it just high school, but Buddy Barnhill is a, game, a name that I will look up. I will do some research yeah. on. I can't wait to to see a little bit of a clip to see what this kid used to do back in the day. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on the show there, man. Absolutely, Terry. Have a great day in Hawaii, and good luck in that game this weekend. I appreciate it. There are nothing but great days in Hawaii, Coach. Later on. All right, go Diablos. Hoorah. All right, welcome to the Transparent Truth. State your name and where you're from. Uh, this is Jay from Studio City. Jay from Studio City, how you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Good, we're talking high school football GOAT. Now, we know you know, people are more locally inclined to choose their GOAT, but we're talking about a national landscape here. Who would you consider the best player you've seen at the high school level? Uh, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, judge because, you know, when you're looking at film and you're looking at tape, you know, you don't know what kind of competition they're going on. Like, I've seen uh, Marcus Dupree high school uh, football tape, and my God, I mean, it's incredible. You know what I'm saying? But I can't judge the talent, you know, and uh, the competition. But I could see he was a man amongst kindergartners in high school. I mean, he was about 6'2", about 225. Not an ounce of fat on him. He's just dragging dudes, running away from dudes. It was just incredible. It was the best tape I had seen as a high school running back. But uh, from a local uh, landscape, you know, I always judge your kids by, you know, the competition, the high-end competition they played against. Like a DeAnthony Thomas, when I watched him in high school, I mean, in the big games, he always was the best player. And that's why I like to measure these young kids, like, in, uh, on far as equal talent or equal playing field, you know, or Avantes Perfect, you know, those guys, equal playing field, or DJ Williams from De La Salle, or Maurice Drew from De La Salle. But it's just so hard to, you know, to quantify who's the best, you know. Yeah, absolutely. As as I got the chance to sit down and really give this question some thought and look at the national landscape of high school football and how long the game has been played and all the great players, I came up with some unbelievable names. And if you look at the stat lines and the championships that these guys racked up over the course of their high school career, um, it's just some gaudy, gaudy numbers. So you talk about a guy like DJ Williams. What makes DJ Williams? What put, I think he's in the conversation, in any GOAT conversation in high school football. I don't care from Florida to California, DJ Williams has to be in the GOAT conversation. What, but what makes him the GOAT consideration for you? Well, I've seen him as uh, he was 15, 16 year old, years old. I never heard of him. And, my, and everybody was talking about how De La Salle is out there kicking everybody's butt up north and they ain't playing California. I mean, playing the teams down south. 
So they were like, okay, we're gonna come down here and we're gonna play modern day. And you know, modern day had Matt Gruder good. They was they was they were CIF champs. They were they were loaded. And he dominated them on both sides of the ball. I mean, offensively he was running all over them. Defensively, I mean he was just smashing them on defense. I mean he was just phenomenal and they couldn't stop talking about him. And also when he became a senior, they had the first California Florida game at the Rose Bowl. They don't have it anymore. And when Florida came down here and played California, dominated them too. And you know what kind of talent Florida had. I mean, he was dominating them too. And then he went to Miami and started as a freshman. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, you know, he had all the measurables when you talk about how can you measure a dude and then a successful NFL career. Same with Maurice Drew or whatever. So you had a lot of measurables and a lot of things you could quantify to say, you know what, he's in the competition. Look how good he was at every stage, you know? There's no question about it. I think um, another piece of credibility that, that speaks to DJ Williams is, you know, John Madden speaking at their banquet. He said that, you know, DJ, you know, and we're talking about legendary Hall of Fame coach John Madden. He said DJ was the first guy and the only guy he ever thought that could play in the NFL fresh out of high school. And I think that yeah. speaks volumes. Yes. And then, you know, Lou Holtz talked about uh he said Randy Moss was the best high school player he'd ever seen. Right. And, you know, he coached 30, 30 40 years in, in college. So he said this is the best dude he ever seen. But I've, I've never saw uh, Randy Moss. Sure. So that's why I say it's so hard. So imagine what he was doing in uh, West Virginia, you know, at the time. Because he's supposed to go to Notre Dame and Florida State. And he got in trouble, you know. Right. You know, a, a lot of people say, especially locally here in Southern California, the Black Mamba, right? De'Anthony Thomas. And my, I guess my own, I'm going to play devil's advocate. My only drawback from that is, and then some of the big games that I saw him in, you could see the elite talent, you could see the explosive playmaking, but he would get hurt. That State championship game against De La Salle. That was his only. But he broke great. for like yes. he broke for like sixty seventy yards, yeah, he, and then win. Then he get hurt. I mean, yeah. and you could see he was over, he was gonna run all over him. You could see that, right? But you could see it, but he didn't, right? Yeah. So slide um, slide of frame, right? Too. Right. Like, so there's a little yeah. asterisk for me, even when he yeah. went. They went. You know, Crenshaw went down south to go play um, the team from the George in Georgia or the Atlanta area. You know, yeah. DeAnthony. He, he, Busted one or two off against them and then got hurt. So yeah. for me, that that's that draws me back and says, okay, I can't make him the goat because his and his opportunities to show that he could possibly be that guy, injury bug bit him. Not his but fault, co- but it bit him. But, but coach, look at this. Look how can how can you quantify this? He got a city team in a state championship game. The only team in the open. How good how good he had to be to get a Los Angeles City team to go to the opening in the state championship. Yeah, the game. opening division championship. Yeah, but, that I, was I think, big. but they had a little bit more than just the Anthony Thomas, let's be honest, right? They had two or three other guys that played in the NFL off that team. So it wasn't like yeah. it was Anthony Thomas and a bunch yeah. of scrubs. But DeAnthony Thompson was the guy on that team. He was the leader of that team. But you had guys like Michael Martin. You had guys like Hayes Pollard. They had legitimate, you know, high level P5 and then on to the next level, you know, NFL football players. But nonetheless, De'Anthony Thomas uh, definitely in this discussion out here on the West Coast and in specific the Los Angeles area. So, Jay from Studio City, thanks so much. We got a new caller. Thank you. We've gone national, ladies and gentlemen. Please download, subscribe, and rate and comment on the show. We need everybody out there to jump on board with the number one high school football podcast in America. The transparent truth. Without further ado, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.